Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, thank you. How you doing? I'm a little bit nervous now after... <laughs> Knowing that that whole uh, process was interviewed, was uh, recorded. Anyway. Hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Can I say congratulations to you all? And uh, well done for getting up so early to be in church. My goodness. You know what I did this morning? I just looked, at, I just looked down at my shoes and realised, because I got up in the dark this morning, because I live in Darlington. So for that, some of you, you may never have visited the other side of Adelaide, but that's a long way south. And uh, I got up in the dark this morning and just grabbed any pair of socks. Now, have a look with what shirt I'm wearing and what socks I've got on. It doesn't work real well, does it? For those of you who didn't see the back row, they're polka dotted with a check shirt. Anyway. So there you go. I'm just revealing my inner personality here. Yes, hipster. Hey, uh, I'm so excited about being here today. And uh, you need, I was here last Sunday, the 10 a.m. service, and um, spent some time with your senior pastors, who are great friends of mine, by the way, Tony and Kath, and love their family and love them dearly. Been a great encouragement to me. And uh, I, I just so enjoy uh, spending time with you. And today, as I was preparing during the week, uh, I had quite a few things going through my mind. Last Sunday, Tony said, what do you think you're going to preach next week? And I told him three things. And, and today, they had nothing to do with what I said <laughs> last week. So, uh, but isn't that like God? He just, you know, he thinks you, you get the place where you think you're okay and he just decides to shake it all up. And so um, I don't expect you to be in all three services. Um, or maybe. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to be there. But uh, don't expect you to all be there. But can I encourage you? Uh, I do believe this is a word from God. It's, it's a, a ministry word. And for some of you, hopefully it will bring a sense of healing and understanding of what God may be doing and in your world. And also to realize that there's something far bigger than us. And we don't understand it all the time. But God has got some things happening around us that we don't get to understand and we may, may not get to understand until we get to glory um, but there's always something bigger at, at heart here and um, I thought it'd be really good you know um, before we even start just to pray for your senior leaders eh? they're, they're away they're getting some rest I think I'm going to move that because that could just go everywhere <laughs> along with my polka dotted socks it's probably not a good thing um, but I think it'd be really great to pay for Tony and Kath this morning as they're, they're just they're resting getting some time out and I was saying to Andre this morning I know what it was like when I was working with Pastor Denny every time he, can't, he went away he was able to see things a lot clearer than he could when he was in it and uh, for those of you in business you know what it's like to get away and work on the business instead of working in it you know you, you just get clarity and I believe he's going to get supernatural clarity for both Tony and for Cass so hey why don't we stand and let's pray for him eh? Father we just thank you for such great leaders Lord for such great pastors we pray, God, as Tony Kath and the family are away, Father, we pray that you minister to them. Lord, you comfort them, you build them, you give them clarity about the vision. 
Lord, that they would just not have, they're not worried about what's happening, God, but could just rest in you. Father, I pray that their eyes will be turned to you. Lord, not concerned about what's happening here. And Father, we as a church collective say thank you for them. We esteem them. We pray for them. We pray, God, do a great thing in their life. May they continue to get vision, Lord, that will last beyond their years. Lord, may they inspire and encourage us. Lord, as a church to move on to the good things and the great things and the prophetic things that have been spoken over this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, as you know, this what I'm going to share with you today is going to be one sermon over three services. And lucky it's not like going all that long. Imagine it's like six hours of sermon, but it's not going to be like that at all. So the, the message is called Sideswiped or Set Up. Sideswiped. Or set up. Have you ever been in a car driving down the road sometimes? And I don't know if you've, I mean, most people have been some level of car accidents. You wouldn't be human if you haven't. Um, but you've been driven down the road and all of a sudden some, there's a car that comes out of the right or the left or even behind you. You don't even see it and you, you get sideswiped or hit. Anyone had, know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. Or maybe you've been the person that does it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But there's, there's, Someone out there has decided that your space of the road is what they want as well. Yeah. You know, they, they're just not happy with their space. They want yours as well. And they decide to let you know about it. And they blindside you. Yeah. And it's called blindsiding because you're blind to the fact that they're there. And they come up and they take you out. And you don't even know it's going to happen. It just happens. And, you know, sometimes it's not so much even the, the, the fact that it happens. It's the scare that actually happens when it happens. You know what I'm talking about? Your heart just goes from, you know, 90 beats a minute to 180 beats a minute in one clean sweep and you're shaking at the wheel and all those things. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You need to speak back to me today. I like a little bit of, okay. So, but you know, life's like that sometimes. Life's like that. You can be enjoying life, going down the road, enjoying what's happening. God's doing stuff in your life. Your family life's great. And all of a sudden, something out of nowhere comes it blindsides you it it rear-ends you it comes out of nowhere you didn't know it was going to happen you go to work one day and all of a sudden life changes you come back and it's different things happen and you know life's like that it it, it's not fair it deals things to us that deals some hands that aren't nice to taste sometimes but the reality is sometimes those things can set us off course or they can set us on course They can have the ability to drive us to God or drive us away from God. But if we understand who God is and what God is about and that nothing goes unseen by Him, that nothing scares Him, His heartbeat doesn't go from 90 to 180 beats in a second. Nothing sideswipes Him. He totally understands everything and knows everything. But if we understand that these things that sideswipe us can be things that we take to God that He can set things up for a better future. He can set things up and up. He can take the things that sideswipe us and journey them around to be a great setup for life. So sideswiped or set up, it's your choice. It's your choice how you want that to be. I was in the 10 o'clock service last week and I, I want to encourage you and to be honest, I feel quite intimidated. Pastor Rob Rufus, what a preacher. What a preacher. And what a man of God. I, I, I so enjoyed last week. And if you haven't got the podcast from last week, let me encourage you to download every one of them. I'm, the 10 o'clock was outstanding. 
Um, but he spoke a prophetic word over this church, which I've I, I got to tell you as I was sitting there, and if you haven't heard it, let me encourage you to get it out of the 10 o'clock. It so encouraged me, and I so agree with it, that God is setting this church up for a new season of prominence and influence. That there's something happening here that is of God. It's not something that is man-made, that God is actually positioning you for greater influence. You're known in the community already, but other people, people of influence, will come to know you and want to draw alongside. And I just want to encourage you this morning that God is doing something, but that is not just something when you talk to a, when a prophetic word is given to a church. It's not just for the senior pastors. It's not just for the staff. It's not for the organization. It's actually for the individual, right? Because we, the individuals, make up the church. God is not coming back for an organization. He's coming back for individuals that love God, that know what it's like to serve Him, got a heart after Him, and we are the church. So when a prophetic word like that is given, don't separate yourself and go, well, isn't that great for the church? No, this is great for me. God wants to give me influence. God wants to take me into a position of prominence. But God wants to do something in me. And, and no doubt in the journey of life, even the side swipes of life that may happen individually, it's not just for you, it's also for all of us that we can be encouraged. So I want to encourage you today out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is going to be my chapter that I preach this one sermon over three meetings. Here it is, 2 Chronicles 20, let me read it to you out of the New International Version. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Oh, could I just detour for a second? Yeah. This, this is really interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm a teacher by, can I call it a trade? I'm a teacher by trade. Um, I was a high school teacher, then God rescued me. Um, <laughs> uh, some of you know exactly what I'm doing. Actually, I was the worst guy. I wasn't a good teacher. But anyway, but by, by default, by default the, I, love, I, I love getting down below the surface. Now, this is probably not very nice what I'm about to tell you, but I had no idea. Do you know where the Ammonites and the Moabites came from? Do you know where they came from? I didn't, I didn't realise until when I studied a bit last you know, You know Lot, the nephew of Abraham. Lot. Got rescued out of Solomon and Gomorrah. He went up into a cave and went hiding. And his, he had two daughters. And the two daughters decided that there was no men around. So they decided to, if we don't actually procreate right now, we're not going to have any kids. So the two daughters decided to get their dad drunk. One night, the eldest daughter got dad drunk and she slept with him and had a son named Moab. The next daughter, the youngest daughter, got lot drunk the next night and slept with him and had a son called Amon. Both out of position of wrongness, right? Position of taking your own future into your own hands. And these tribes, the Moabites, Ammonites, no wonder they were against the Israelites. Come from a place where it was wrong. Come from a place that, that, that incestuous relationship that these boys were born out of that. So here they are, understand their foundation, yeah. right? Now they're coming against the people of God. So that was a little bit of a sideways. Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Meonites came to wage war against 
Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar. That is the En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new court and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hands and no one can withstand you. Our God did not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They have lived in it and have built it a sanctuary for your name saying if calamity comes upon us whether the sword of judgment or plague of famine we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in distress and you will hear us and save us but now hear the men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when you came from Egypt so they turned away from them and did not destroy them See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and the little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, and a Levite and descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King, of, King Jehoshaphat and to all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. And for those of you who have been around been a Christian for a little while, you may know the end of the story, that they didn't have to fight, they just had to praise. Uh, God sent the singers and the musicians out in front. I think we should do that in all of our armies, send the singers out in front, <laughs> right? Out in front and they got there. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter. They got there and they saw they were all dead. It was already done. God had gone ahead and taken on this army. But here the situation is Jehoshaphat finds himself sideswiped. He had no idea that this was about to happen. The background of this story is two chapters before King Jehoshaphat made an alliance. It was really, it was more than encouraged by the king, by the king of Israel, who was Ahab, who wasn't a good king, right? He was encouraged to go to war with him as an ally against the Aram Aramites, sorry, the Arameans, sorry the Arameans, and what happened is that this prophet comes in and says, hey, uh, you know, Ahab, you know, you're going to go to war and that's a good thing, but you're going to die at war. And Ahab got really upset with the prophet because the prophet's always a prophet of doom. And I don't know if you know the story. And so Ahab decides to trick God and says, well, I'm not going to get dressed up as king. I'm going to dress up Jehoshaphat as the king. And they can come after him thinking that he's the king. And so what happens, the Arameans come and they start chasing down Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's freaking out because he's not the king. They're after the king of Israel. They're after Ahab and Ahab's all there in just his normal stuff. They're chasing down Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat, they realise it's not Ahab because Jehoshaphat cries out to God and says, God, help me. Has it been like that? Yeah. Help me. Yeah. And this random 
archer just decides to get an arrow and just shoot it into the sky, into the Israelite army, and a random arrow finds Ahab in the middle of that randomness and gets him just between, just between the chinks in the armour and kills him. Amazing. So here's Jehoshaphat. He's just come off the back end of this near-death experience and now he's got three armies chasing him down. Chasing him down. Here's my first point. Don't take it personal. It's really interesting how this scripture's been put together. Listen, verse 1. I'm not going to get beyond verse 3 today, but anyway... Verse 1, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Manites came to war against who? Jehoshaphat. Were they really, were they really coming to war against Jehoshaphat or were they coming to war against Judah? They weren't, the whole three armies weren't coming out and saying, look, we're just going to forget all the people of Judah. We're going to forget all the, the people who live in the land. We're just going after the king and we're going to get him. Let me take a little bit of license here. Right? Verse 2, some, pe- some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is against you. So here's this, this declaration that Jehoshaphat has all these armies coming to get him. The reality is they weren't just coming to get him, they were coming to get everybody. But isn't it interesting when things seem to sideswipe us, we can take it personal. It's directed at me that... Here is this thing that's come alongside, that's taken me out of nowhere, comes against me. The vast army is coming against you, Jehoshaphat. Isn't it that it's, it's how the enemy operates? He loves to isolate and make it about the individual. When there's an attack, when something's happening, the enemy just loves to isolate us off, put us into corner, and he makes it all about us instead of realizing. We've got to realize it's not about us. It's actually about what's happening from a kingdom perspective. This is what 1 Peter 5.8 says. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone. Someone to devour. Someone. Some of us even this morning, the animal's coming and he's looking for you. And he's trying to make it about you, that you've done this and you've, done, you've deserved this and they're coming to get you and it's not about you. Don't take it personal. Satan loves to get us in our vulnerable areas. He loves to get us in the place where we tend to fail. He loves to get us in the place where we tend not to do well. Right? He loves to highlight the vulnerable areas. He uses fear. He twists words. He did it against Eve in the garden twist words and he loves to pray in the vulnerable parts of our life just to trap us and so I can just imagine Jehoshaphat I just been to war and I had the Aramean chariots chasing me down they went they were not even interested they were coming to get the king Mm. right and I imagine he was fairly vulnerable right he it says there if you check chapter 18 out it says so they turned to attack him but Jehoshaphat cried out this is the whole chariot army when the chariot commander saw Jehoshaphat they thought this is the king of Israel so they turned to attack him so he had a whole stack of chariots chasing him down do you think he was a bit vulnerable do you think he was going I just just got through that one 
I just got over that situation and all of a sudden now I've got another thing coming. Have you ever been there? Like, Lord, I can't wait for this year to finish. I don't like the way it started. You know what I'm talking about. I've just got through this. So isn't it interesting? The enemy will attack in the vulnerable areas where you're weak, where you're vulnerable. He'll come and he'll attack again. So why didn't the people who come in say, hey, King Jehoshaphat, we've got some armies coming in to take out Judah. But they didn't. They said, we've got some armies to come and take out you. Come and take out you. I love young King David. Or he wasn't the king then, but young David's response. When Goliath was out there taunting him. Can I just read you a passage from 1 Samuel chapter 17? It says, Goliath walked out towards David. This is when David says, I'll, I'll take him on. He walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy boy's face. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. Today, here it is, the Lord will conquer you. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, what is, I've come to beat you. No, he actually said, this fight isn't mine. The Lord will conquer you. Who's going to conquer you? The Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. See, God's going to take you and then I'm going to kill you. He understood in himself he couldn't fight this. He understood the authority was not in him. The authority was in God. And the fight wasn't his, it was God's. wasn't his. It's not your fight. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know whether you've been sideswiped or you've been through some situations, but it's not your fight. It's God's fight. Understand, the background of this is, I heard this prophetic word say, this church is going to prominence. You know, if I asked all of you, who loves great victories? Put up your hand, you'll love great victories. I mean, Adelaide. It was a great victory, wasn't it? Not so well for Port Adelaide last night. But who loves great victories? We all say, that's awesome. But you never have a great victory without a great war. Yeah. Now, if I said to you, do you, who loves great wars? Not many people would put their hand up. Yeah. Would I say, yeah, I love a great war. No, we love the victory. Yeah. If we know we're going to get victory, say, yeah, I'm in. If we know we're going to get victory. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your fight. Yeah. This church is going to a level of prominence. It's going to a, a level of influence. And it's not going to happen without a fight. But it's not your fight. You might go through something individually, and yes, you've got to fight individually, but don't take it personal. It's not yours to take. Number two, beware of the some people voices. Beware of the some people voices. Verse two, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming after you. Some people came. Who were the some people? Who were the some people? It's the they of our, of our, our you know, they are talking about you. Who are they? Who are the some people? Who are these no-named people 
You see, these some people didn't come with a message of faith. They didn't come with a message of hope. They didn't come with a message of truth. They didn't come to actually lift the name of Christ. They didn't come to lift the name of God in this situation. They just came to tell him the news. The bearers of the news, faithless news. You notice the scripture didn't put a name to them. He didn't put a name to them because people without faith don't get a name. They belong to the crowd. A great crowd followed. Nameless faces. And sometimes when we're going through situations like this, we let the some people talk into the things that they shouldn't talk into. We let the some people come close and say things that are the obvious. Yes, there's a whole lot of people coming. To war against us, Jehovah. There's a whole lot of people coming to get you, Jehovah. You know that the, some people disassociate themselves with the news? Some people come and told Jehoshaphat they're coming to get you. Well, not me, you. They, they didn't say, Jehoshaphat, they're coming to get us. They're coming to get us. The enemy comes like a prowling lion trying to separate. The some people voices will separate you. The some people voices will isolate you. The some people voices will actually instill fear. They won't instill faith. They don't get a name in Scripture. Unlike the people's names who are found in verse 14. All the men of Judah with their wives and children, the little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly and he said, Listen, King of Je- Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid. You've got some people at the beginning of the verse talking about what's going to happen. And then you've got a man with a name called Jehaziel, who now is going to deliver the word of God. See, Jehaziel gets a name. Why? Because he's full of faith. Because he's prepared to stand in the gap. He's prepared to bring the word of the Lord. He's prepared to lift the name of God. He's prepared to stand in the presence of God. You know, the interesting thing, if you look, this is my little, little teacher thing going a little bit deeper. Jehaziel, his name means beheld of God. Beheld of God. This guy, the singer, that's what he was. He was a singer. He was one that understood the presence of God. His name, his namesake was, he had God's attention. God beholds him. Like, God's eyes searched the whole earth looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. And Jehaziel had God's attention. His namesake, he's beheld of God. I want the behelds of God near me. I want the people who's got a voice going to speak into my life that are going to be the ones going to lift me and speak faith into me and understand that and give me a strategy to move forward that God's got this. But we allow the some people voices to speak. The some people. But we need the Jehaziels. The ones who know God, that know the presence of God. Genesis 6 verse 8 said, But Noah found favour in the eyes of God. Why? Because he was a man of faith. He found favour in God's eyes. 1 Peter 3.12 The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. See, when you're doing right, you're going to get God's attention. You're going to get the revere of God. You're going to get his attention. You're going to get the, the beheld of God. 
this guy Jehaziel had God's attention. By the way, his dad, Zechariah, his name means remembered by the Lord. And his dad, Beniah, means made by the Lord. He came from good lineage. He came from good lineage. There's, something, there's a whole message just in that. But can I encourage you, if you're going through a sideswipe moment, if you're going through where something has taken you off course, it's caught you by surprise, don't allow the some people voices to speak to you. Look for the Jehaziels in your life to encourage you. You know, David's older brother, back on the David and Goliath thing, David's older brother, Eliab, heard David was, was there delivering his cheese. Check this here, his cheese. He was, he's delivering cheese and bread. Right? This is what Eliab said to David. What are you doing around here? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know what you're about. You're full of pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. He just belittled his little brother. See, Eliab, he was in the army. But if you go and read that whole chapter of, of Samuel, chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, the whole chapter starts about what the, what the army were focused on. Yeah. You know what they were focused on? They were focused on Goliath. Yes. They were so focused they could describe him. He was huge, nine and a half feet tall, bronze of armour, weighed five. How did they know it weighed 5,000 shekels? Like they had <laughs> studied this guy. Like this, arm, this army knew all about their enemy. Yeah. And David rocks up. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands against the armies of our God? See, David rocks up and he just brings God onto it. He's a, he's a Jehaziel. He's a worshipper. He knows what it's like to be in the presence of God. He brings the now word of the Lord. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? You know what? Sometimes we know our giants more than we know our God. Sometimes we know more about the things that are coming against us than we do know about our God. <laughs> David's focus and attention was on who and what God could do, not on the giant. David didn't listen to the voices of the some people, his brother. He listened to the voice that was in him. He was the Jehaziel. He encouraged himself. I go on to my last point. Doing pretty good. Number three, turn your fear into fervor. Turn your fear into fervor. In verse three, it says, Alarmed, he was freaking out, he was alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The New Living Translation said it this way Jehoshaphat was terrified. He was terrified. That's what it says. He was terrified. Hey, it's okay to be human. It's okay for a moment to be in humanity and realise, oh God, what's going to happen now? I was not expecting this. I don't know what to do. But thank God Jehoshaphat didn't stay there. You see, at that point, you've got a choice. You can stay in it and allow the situation to develop into self-pity and allow the situation to isolate you, allow the situation you withdraw and it all becomes what about me, what about me, what about me? But Jehoshaphat didn't stay there. He actually turned his fear into fervour. He went straight to God. He called the people together. 
You see, when you're going through stuff, don't allow the some people to isolate you. Call your friends, call the Jehaziels, call those people together and come around you and say, hey, can you stand with me? Can you pray with me? Can you give, lift my eyes and let me see what I don't see right now? I'm freaking out, but I'm not going to stay here. Jehoshaphat had a spiritual response instead of an emotional one. This is the emotional response. It's always about me. I knew it. I knew something was going to happen to me. Happened to my mum. She got this. Now I've got it. Happened my dad. He was a drunk. It's going to happen to me. It's been right through unemployment. I've got a history of unemployment. It's going to happen to me. I'll never get a job. That's what emotion says. Or do we run to the internet and fill our head with all sorts of reasons about why this has happened to me. In fact, some of us go to the doctors and know more about what's wrong with us than our doctors do. I don't know why we even bother going to the doctors sometimes because we know more than them. It's true, isn't it? It is. Dr. Google. Dr. Google's got all the answers. What about our first response to say, God, I'm freaking out, but I'm going to run to you. Well, I'm going to run to you. I'm not going to let the some, those, those voices on Google are some people. Yeah. They've got no names. They've got no faith. Yeah. They've got no understanding of the bigger thing. Yeah. Don't run to the some people Google people. <laughs> the spiritual response is this. This is David speaking, Psalm 18. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. The ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The graves, they tried to wrap ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. He's my rescuer. (laughs) You see, Ephesians 1. Verse 21 to 23 says this, and this I'm going to finish. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that has a name, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in the world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. For he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal supreme head of the church. You see, Dr. Gould has no idea who Jesus is. He has all authority, all power, all dominion. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will guide you on the best path for your life. I'll guide you on the best path. Hey, this morning, before we finish in exactly three minutes, I don't know if you're being sideswiped. I know there's obvious things that have happened in this church. Chris was a great friend of mine. He worked with me for many years. My department, I was a worship pastor and he worked alongside me for many years. Great friend. I know, this other th- I know that's an obvious thing. Lisa's one of my heroes, seriously. Amazing. And if she was here, she'd be sitting on the front row going, Amen, 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 Amen. I know. But there's something greater happening here. God's bringing this church into a place of prominence. And it's going to be a journey both 
corporately and individually. And I don't know how you've been, what's happened in your world. If you've been sideswiped, maybe this morning you just got a hand, you've taken it personal, maybe you just got to hand it over and say, God, I'm not going to take it personal, yeah. it's not my fight. Yeah. Maybe you've been listening to the wrong voices and you need to position the Jehaziels around you. Go and find them. Spend time with them. Pray with them. Let them bring the now word of the Lord to you. Or fear hung around a little bit too long. You're freaked out and you're still freaking out. But you need to respond in faith and let your spiritual response actually override your emotional response. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 